Warning, this podcast contains discussion of death, murder, and suicide. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash Padilla because sometimes existing is exhausting. My name's Anthony Padilla, and I spent a day with Crime Scene Cleaner. We'll uncover the truth about their disturbing first cleanups and the constant battle between experiencing empathy while cleaning and numbing themselves to prevent endlessly replaying the carnage they've witnessed while on the clock. By the end of this video, we'll find out if pursuing a career in this dark line of work has actually given these guests a sense of purpose, or if the nonstop nightmare they experience in their waking life has forced them to live a detached and grim existence. Hello, Jacob. Hey, Anthony, how's it going? Laura. Hi, Anthony. Neil. Hey, how are you? Can you describe your line of work and what it is that you do exactly? My official title is a crime and trauma scene cleaner. We clean up basically things that no one else really wants to or is equipped to do. Every day is an adventure with crime scene cleaners. Something as mundane as a poo-poo Picasso on the walls up oh to, you know, a mass auto fatality to suicides and death. We deal with the worst of the worst cases. People being undiscovered for several days, weeks, even months where their gases just blow them up. They pop maggots are all over them. They leak through the floors. Every day is extremely different. We could be cleaning up a massive hoard where we're finding animal bodies all the way to, you know, most recently we had a shotgun suicide where he decided to do it in the attic. So we're pulling out, you know, parts of his jaw and teeth and one eyeball out of the wall in the insulation. That's a very difficult part of the house for us to clean up. Show up to a scene. Sometimes the police are still there. Sometimes the family's there. Sometimes they're not. We try to intervene and provide healing to them. There's the service part of it, of like getting the thing cleaned up, but also there's a huge emotional aspect to it where they need a shoulder to cry on. You know, you kind of got to get in that certain headspace to get ready for what you're about to see. Because when you see it, it, it hits you and you don't necessarily realize it right away, but it comes in waves and it gets, it can get overwhelming. What are some of the realities of death and decomposition that most people just aren't even aware could happen to a human body. Human bodies can pop. This one case where this person died and she fell off her bed and she landed on a heater. So as you can imagine, not only did her flesh melt, but the gases that were building up and partly due to the heater caused her to pop. She was being cooked. Yeah, she's being cooked and made a huge, huge mess. Death is funky. The body breaks down immediately. It starts and it decomposes and simply it turns to liquid. And those liquids are foul. And the smell yeah. is beyond any kind of, uh, it's more of a taste. It coats your throat and you never, oh. you never forget it. You know exactly what it is. And we go in with respirators. So ideally we're not smelling anything, but the reality is it's funky. Do you remember your first cleanup experience? I think I was still 19 at the time. It was a father who had killed himself with three little girls. The father was struggling with mental health. The shocking thing about cleaning that up is just like, you see it in the movies, you know, gore, guts, and blood, but it's a completely different experience when you see that in person and 
are handling it yourself. I was 31 when I started my company. My first cleanup was a double homicide on Christmas Day. It was two cousins that ended up shooting each other. There was obviously a disagreement of some kind. There was just blood and spatter all over the walls. This is kind of where the rubber met the road because I didn't realize how much construction was going to be involved, how blood traveled through different types of textiles and tile and grout and hardwood floors. It was a big learning experience and it, it's honestly something I'll never forget. I was 28 years old. There was a lady whose cancer went out of remission, so she was terminal and apparently she'd been fighting it for a while and she decided to commit suicide via gun. Got there and I met with the sister. I looked at the problem and I wrote it up. I pitched it to the sister and, and the sister agreed. When I was done, I called her up and I got paid. It is something that sticks with me knowing that anyone could kind of be going through something. And so it makes you a lot more aware of possibly what could be going on in someone's life. I can still remember the mother, you know, and how distraught she was. And I remember thinking that I was very surprised that she wanted to watch me clean it up. It was almost yeah. one of those things like maybe it's therapeutic for her. And I just think that it's part of some people's grief process. We've had some, some things that might seem out of the ordinary for a lot of people, but everybody's gonna deal with grief differently. And I feel like you only really know what you think will give you closure when you're in the moment. You may think you know how you would react to some being in the same situation, but you really don't until it happens to you. And it was about 10 to 12 years ago, a guy in his about late 60s put a pillow over his head and shot himself in the head. His adult daughter showed up and hired us to clean it up. And again, she was kind of standing in the room while we were cleaning it up. And as we were bagging up all the biohazard stuff, part of his bone from his face, his jaw, we picked it up and right as I was about to put it in the red bag, she said, oh no, 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 I need, I want that. I was literally froze. I didn't know what to do. So I handed it to her. And then the next day we got there to finish the job and she was wearing it around her neck. It sounds like it could be a, a way to grieve, a way to hold on to a piece of someone that you love. Exactly. And you know, and I, and I think kind of our reaction to this is just based on social norms. It's just her way to be closer to her father. Have you always wanted to be a crime scene cleaner? No, I mean, when I started the company, there wasn't any such thing. I just kind of fell in love with it um, and helping people and meeting people with where they were at. But I wouldn't say that was like a dream of mine. A lady came up to me and said, when are you coming back to clean this up? And her, her son had just been shot. I was kind of deer in the headlights. I was like, uh, uh, nobody had ever asked me that. And I said, oh, we don't clean that up. That was my light bulb moment. And I stumbled upon a company that was doing it and I just called him up and I said, will you train me? And I went to his training for five days. It was one of those things where you know what your purpose is at that point. What do you think is the most bizarre scene that you've ever had to clean up? Florida's very, very hot. We have high humidity here. A lot of elderly people live in condos that are multi-story. When someone passes away, you know, they will literally melt into the floor and drip through the ceiling of the person below it. And it's always uh, tragic for them to think, you know, call maintenance and say, oh, there's a sewage leak upstairs. And then they're knocking on the door saying, hey, we need to look at your toilet. And they go in and that person is just a puddle of soup at that point. My favorite is a huge humpback whale that swam into the estuary. And when the tide went out, the, the whale died. What does that look like? Are you lugging the body out? Are you having to 
remove it piece by piece? No, thank goodness. It was it was so big. I, I had no idea it was going to be that big. I uh, hired an excavator and we took it to property and we buried it deep. You buried a whale underground in the land. Yeah. What are some of the most emotionally taxing cleanups for you to handle? Any type of suicide cleanup where you start picking up on context clues of like what happened, whether it just be from what you heard over the phone or the job description or from the police, every now and then you might see a suicide note that was lying around. You can see stuff inside the room like a calendar, counting down the days of like when it's gonna take place. It gets really dark. You try not to look at those things and read into it, but it's right there and you know, you're, the mind's curious. You want, you kind of want to know like what happened. I had a um, five-year-old that found a gun and he accidentally shot himself. And that was a cleanup that I did by myself. And it was absolutely horrible to walk into that bedroom and see that blood and his picture on the nightstand. It was just absolutely heartbreaking. There are these remnants, this, this scene where you can kind of imagine visually what what happened can you can you almost feel it replaying in your head you can when i go into a room i see it and i'm i'm literally replaying of how how that happened do you have any trouble leaving your emotions at work when you go home does any of that come with you it can be difficult especially when you just see that level of human disparity and darkness, you know, regularly. You do get used to it. Work is work. You know, this is what happened today. You just know that this is a thing. You know, the world is broken. It's just kind of one of those things you gotta, you gotta live with and you gotta keep living your own life. If you tend to dwell too much on it, you're gonna go nuts. You have to remember that I, I don't know the people. I, I've never seen them. I'll probably never see them again. It's not my tragedy. I'm there for a specific purpose that they're paying me to perform. When I was in law enforcement, I saw the person. The person was shot right in front of me or the, the person had uh, completed a suicide. With crime scene cleanup, I don't see the, the human being. So it, I'm able to detach myself from it and look at it like a spilled milk or, or a, just a mess that I have to clean up. And honestly, that gets me through it and I don't think about it and I just keep moving on. That's kind of what you have to do uh, at some point because if you get that grossed out every single time, you're not, you're one, not gonna be able to last long in this industry and two, you're just not gonna be a very effective worker. So you yeah. just gotta treat it as like, oh, it's just um, it's just like chocolate. Like right. some other just thing. completely just... detached from it. Oh, completely it's not detached. Shit. It's something I, it's something I want in my mouth actually, it's chocolate. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> What kind of protective gear do you wear when you are on one of these cleanups? Two, three layers of gloves on, duct tape around it, your hazmat suit all the way pulled up. You have like a full face respirator. You got a hood over your respirator. It's just sweating in there. Do you ever get done with your work and realize, oh shit, I smell like death? Yeah, I mean, the first thing you do after a job is take a shower. When I was living at home, my mom would be like, take a shower, you are not allowed to step inside this house or move anywhere until you get cleaned up first. When I get home, my protocol is literally go into the garage, strip naked, and then run upstairs to the shower and don't talk to me, don't stop, don't do anything until I get out of the shower. It doesn't matter who's home. Yeah. Laura's running through the house oh, naked yeah. to get to that yeah. shower. Yeah. <laughs> I did a suicide in the garage one time and, and I, after I was done, I'm cleaned up and I'm in my truck and I run my hand through my hair and I come up with a piece of his skull with his, his hair still stuck to it. Stuff like that'll freak you out. You do deal with some people, you know, on your social media pages that will complain 
that you don't have empathy. Before we continue learning about the world of crime scene cleaners, suicide has been a deep part of this discussion, and I want you to know that if you are dealing with thoughts of suicide, you are not alone, and there are resources for help. For example, you can call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline by clicking the link down below. I'd also like to thank our sponsors for giving us the opportunity to talk about some of these deeper topics like kidnapping survivors, human trafficking survivors, and school shooting survivors, for example. So huge thank you to BetterHelp for their continued partnership. If you've been keeping up with this series, you know that therapy has been extremely beneficial in shaping who I am today by allowing me to have empathy for my younger self and therefore understand who I am today more. But therapy can be customized to whatever's right for for you and can be useful in providing tools to help with motivation or feelings of depression, anxiety, stress, insecurity, or whatever else you might need. BetterHelp has been continuing to improve throughout the years and screens all their therapists to ensure that they have experience and that they're certified and licensed and provides customized therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone or speak over the phone if that's not something that you're comfortable with. As many of you have probably found out by now, therapy can be expensive and the price of finding a therapist that you like and actually connect with can be overwhelming, which is why BetterHelp offers a more affordable alternative to in-person therapy where you can start communicating with your therapist therapist in less than 48 hours. So thank you again to BetterHelp who are giving I Spent a Day with viewers and listeners of the podcast 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash Padilla. That's betterhelp.com slash Padilla. And a huge thank you to Honey for continuing to sponsor and support this series. Honey is the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one that it finds to your cart so you don't have to stare at that empty discount code box because if Honey finds a working coupon, a little Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupon. And Honey supports over 30,000 stores online, ranging from tech to popular fashion brands and food delivery. Honey has personally saved me a ton of money when I venture into my online buying stupor, including, yes, the products I use in my hair to feel more than presentable. Honey is literally free and installs in just a few seconds. So if you want to do yourself a solid and also support this series, get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash Padilla. Again, it's free. And if you go to joinhoney.com slash Padilla, you'll be directly supporting this series. Now, back to the world of crime scene cleaners. You do deal with some people, you know, on your social media pages that will complain that you don't have empathy. Oh, yes, I do. My followers will... Uh lay into me if they feel that I'm not being empathetic enough on any particular post. There is no kind of cross between the two lives, so to speak. Do you think it's important to hold on to empathy while you do something like this? I think it's critical to have empathy. Uh, we actually will not hire anyone that doesn't have empathy. You need to understand what it's like to walk in someone's shoes in order to be able to help them best. These people are going to be going through a very long grief process. And it's important that we remember that and be respectful of their items and their things and who they were. Letitia wants to know if any of the jobs that you've done have been so difficult that they've left you with anything like PTSD. The one that really made me start to think differently would be the, the suicide cleanup I did for the high schooler when I was also just graduated high school. Having someone who I could have been classmates with do something like that and just leave their entire family in tears and complete shock made me realize what people could possibly be going through and people just not having any idea that that's going on. A case recently, it was a 16-year-old boy. His parents said that they had dinner. He went upstairs to take a shower and get ready for bed, was listening to music, and 
shot himself. That one sticks in my mind because there's no warning signs. There was no letter. There was no note about it. There was no um, tragedy that had occurred or anything. When you end your life in that way with no notice, I think people are left wondering what happened or why, or was it me? Or, you know, his poor parents are downstairs in shock. Clearly no one had any idea what you were struggling with. His girlfriend, his friends, his family, they're all traumatized forever because they can't explain what was going on. And they'll always have that curiosity. Everyone needs closure to be able to move on. That's where my heart breaks for them because maybe they weren't aware of the struggles that person was facing. And if they were, maybe they could have helped. What kind of personality traits do you think are most important for people to have that want to do this kind of job? Physical fitness is actually our number one uh, thing that we hire for. We're not only dealing with the mental challenges of what's going on, we're having to jack up tile, cut drywall, remove doors. It's very evasive, the type of uh, construction or demo that we're doing. Having that sense of family and love for other people um, that are going through trauma. It's such a great, important skill set and piece of knowledge to have going into it because you really are helping people at their worst time in their life. It's all about servitude and like love for your neighbor. Do people ever quit after just, you know, one one time out there realizing, you know what, I thought I could handle this, I can't. We had one person um, who was like ex-military, you know, tough guy and the first day he started cleaning up something that just smelled really bad. It was absolutely disgusting. It was some type of like blood feces mixture thing. And he's like, I can't take this anymore. I'm so sorry, I have to leave. It was his first day. I felt so bad for the guy. There's some things that you could never be prepared for. You just have to experience it to know if you can handle it. My mom was like on the job too. It's like, oh, that's okay, you know, sweetie. <laughs> and he's like a big, <laughs> tough military guy. And, and my mom's still there just like doing what she's always been doing, you know, with those gross things. Like it doesn't face her at all. There's probably 10% maybe 15% that say, holy crap, I can't do this, this is hard. One or two out of five will say, I can't do this. And then the other three out of five, you guys say, mm, maybe you can't do this. <laughs> exactly. Has getting into this line of work changed your perspective of life or death? It hasn't. Um, you know, I'm, I, still, I still take quite a bit of risks. I don't think about death, I don't fear death. Um, I believe when it happens, it happens. Uh, there's no way you can control it. But I also think that people take life for granted. I'm constantly reminded of my own mortality, right? Every time I get ready for work, it's like, oh, it's a reminder that I'm going to die one day. I think you just die, you know? I think you just go dust to dust. I've just seen so much of it, it's hard for me to think any other way. I do have a hope in a life after death, a place that doesn't have suffering, pain, anxiety, or injustices anymore. It gets me up in the morning to do what I do and face that darkness. What is it about being a crime scene cleaner that brings you the most joy? I have the ability to erase a really horrific scene and put it back to what it was in a pre-incident condition. I not only feel a sense of obligation to do that right, but I feel a sense of gratitude to be able to give that gift to someone. All right, you got five seconds to shout out or promote anything you want directly in the camera. 
go. Follow us on YouTube at Crime Scene Cleaning, TikTok and Instagram at Crime Scene Cleaning. And if you're interested in owning your own franchise, visit our site at spaldingdecom.com. You can follow me on social media, YouTube and TikTok to stay up to date with me and what I'm posting about my life as a crime scene cleaner. I have an Instagram page. They can follow me at, uh, what is it? At Crime Scene Cleaners, Inc. Make sure to subscribe to Anthony Padilla for more stuff like this. Day in the Life stuff is awesome. Thank you, Anthony. Well, there you have it. I spent a day with crime scene cleaners and I feel like I understand just how much strength, literally and emotionally, it takes to maintain a career in this field and how much a constant exposure to death can shift someone's entire relationship with the short blip they get to experience on this earth. Do you have any dark jokes that you guys just tell each other? Or does it need to, do you have any off the cuff that you guys say? Or is it really specific? When we're cleaning up a huge thing of a huge trauma scene that's like full of blood, brain, guts everywhere. Um, and we're using our scrapers and I'm like next to my coworker and we're scraping it away. It's like, we'll, we'll make a off, off the cuff remark like, oh, it's just like the, it's just like the, the jello we made last night at dinner. Oh, you know? my or, God. Just, or just something like that and just kind of making light of it.